0: Welcome to Just a Taste. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is growth specialist, Dayton Miller. Dayton is managing partner of Boulder Food Group. Previously, he co-founded Function, a venture-backed health and wellness beverage company, which Dayton built from conception to $20 million in retail sales until its acquisition. Prior to Function, Dayton was an executive in the Strategy Group at the Walt Disney Company, where he worked for over 7 years focusing on mergers and acquisitions and operating strategy. Dayton began his career as an analyst in investment banking and spent time as a management consultant for Bain & Company. Dayton serves on the board of directors for the Harvard Business School Alumni Association of Southern California and also serves on the leadership council of the Fulfillment Fund, an LA nonprofit focused on underprivileged youth in education. Dayton, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Good morning.
0: Good morning. So tell us about the Boulder Food Group uh, and the mission of the organization and and share with our listeners as well how how the group came together.
1: For sure. So Boulder Food Group is a uh, venture capital firm that focuses exclusively on food, beverage, and dietary supplements. Um, More specifically within that, uh, that larger industry, we're focused on branded consumer packaged goods, so really, any product that you might buy at a at a at a grocery store um, that is uh, classified as a as a food beverage or dietary supplement is something that um, we would be interested in. Um, we are w- what's considered an early stage investor. So um, that that means we're we're typically the first institutional or um, professional investor involved in a business, um, but it's normally after a business has launched. Um, there there are a lot of wonderful creative Food entrepreneurs out there, and my partner and I were were, were previously um, of that ilk, and we um, uh, now are, are being fortunate to to provide capital and, and hopefully thoughtful strategic advice along with that capital to other other food entrepreneurs um, in the market. Um, BFG came to came to be my, my partner and, and founder Tom Spear uh, had spent about fifteen years or so in the in the food industry. He was previously COO of Bernadette Granola, uh, which exited to Kellogg's, and then was the uh, CEO of Evolve Foods, which um, ultimately exited to to Boulder Brands, which is now part of uh, Pinnacle and Conagra. Uh, And and from that, we were both fortunate to raise a venture in our previous lives as entrepreneurs uh, and felt that we could bring uh, bring something a little bit different to the table and 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 hopefully um, help great entrepreneurs build uh, cool businesses.
0: Certainly sounds like plenty of brain power and experience on the team there. Uh, You you mentioned, you know, kind of what some of those ideal companies that you're looking for. uh, But expand on that. What would be what would be the profile that you're looking for? Is it, um, I I guess we could break it into maybe a few categories. One is, uh, you you know, you mentioned health-oriented. So if you could share what that means. And then what stage are you looking for? Uh, Obviously, there's absolutely no shortage of individuals out there that are creating, uh, you know, their own quality food, you know, whether it's a recipe in their kitchen or, or, you know, they've advanced beyond that. Uh, to having some level of manufacturing, but what what's kind of that ideal profile that you're that you're looking for?
1: Sure, I'll, I'll maybe answer those in reverse order just because it's a, it's a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> sure. But we we definitely want products that are already on the market, um, uh, and uh, so, so there there's certainly a lot of great ideas and um, seed investments out there where it, it, folks might be raising money in order to launch a product. Uh, that's not a fit for us we're kind of the, the next stage after the product has launched uh, a lot of times that can be very quickly after the product launch if it's getting good traction uh, what we do internally is we, we um, are looking for brands that we believe have the ability to achieve a, a million dollars in sales relatively quickly uh, so if they haven't already achieved a million dollars in sales then something that can um, achieve that level in the next 12 months would, would be ideal. Um, the good thing is, I think, the, the way the system is set up, you can really scale a food a CPG business very uh, efficiently, and it doesn't necessarily require a lot of capital. Um, uh, so that can actually happen a lot faster than than maybe what a lot of folks might, might believe. Um, you know, from a, from kind of a, a product standpoint, um, you know, we are looking for, for things that are are considered quote unquote better for you. Um, I think that can really take a pretty broad definition. I think, uh, 15 years ago when we first started getting into this industry, something that was natural was considered better for you. And now I think you, you know, you kind of have to, at the very least you have to be all natural. Um, normally organic or non-GMO just, as kind of table stakes, so to speak. Um, and then I think beyond that, there there are obviously a lot of trends, um, emerging and that have been around for the last five or or so years, um, that are really uh, starting to to kind of take hold, um, more broadly. And, uh, I think that's, you know, things like plant-based and, um, uh, and and functional foods. Um, so, uh, you know, going back to it not being enough to be natural or, 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 uh, organic um hopefully there's some ingredients in there that are doing something else and consumers are kind of demanding demanding more from their food um uh things that are lower in sugar uh are are normally um interesting to us uh, uh you know clearly that was demonized previously now it's kind of not so clear whether that was uh necessarily right and um uh, i think folks are, are are looking at sugar as one of the first things on the on our product nutrition uh, facts panel when they, when they turn a product over. So um, those are just some of the things that we're seeing. I think at the end of the day uh, it's consumer driven and um, you know, thankfully we're all consumers of the category as well and have families. And so um, you know, we're, we're able to, to do a, our own little um, focus groups uh, internally. Um, and we, we, we do look at that as well
0: so when when an entrepreneur approaches you, I think to some extent it might be obvious what you are looking for um you know leadership for you know passion from the entrepreneur, you know perhaps some some level of experience, everything but for to to educate our audience, I'm curious what red flags you look for, what are the things that Someone could come to you and perhaps you even like the idea. I mean, obviously a bad idea is a red flag, but perhaps you like the idea. But what what pitfall should an entrepreneur avoid or what should they clean up or fix before approaching a a venture capital organization like you? What it what are the types of things that that you say, ooh. You know, may, you know, maybe this balance sheet is a little upside down or 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 whatnot. What what are some of those red flags that you would share with an entrepreneur approaching a VC?
1: Sure, I think you know we we really look at our investments as as partnerships, and we know that as, as part of that, there's going to be great times and and bad times. Um, uh, and and hopefully we're the we're the first call when when things go right and go wrong. Um, but I think along those lines, uh, what we we um tend to to give us a little bit of cause for pause is if there are unrealistic expectations in the business plan um because i think that's just kind of setting everything uh or setting the relationship up on the wrong foundation Mm -hmm. um uh and and so you know we know how hard it is to build these businesses uh we know it takes time and capital and um uh and, and so if there's unrealistic expectations um, you know that just kind of is a, is a bit of a red flag um, you know we're also looking for real uh, authentic stories and and kind of problem solvers versus um, folks who are, are kind of looking to build a business and, and exit in, in three years um, we know uh, just having been entrepreneurs how long some of those days are and 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 um if you don't have uh an underlying motivation for launching this business uh we find that it's a a lot besides you know making money we find that it can be be a lot more challenging and uh, you know consumers aren't aren't stupid especially uh these days i think they can see through that kind of stuff but um if the if the entrepreneurs are solving um a a problem that came from their own lives um uh then that is something that we find really really resonates with people so one example of that is uh we were fortunate to back uh a brand called Collie power which makes a cauliflower crust pizza company um gail becker the founder and ceo is um has, has two kids with with celiac um uh, they're in their late teens now. Um, uh, but growing up they were never, uh, able to really eat off the same plate. And, um, uh, they would always say like, you know, you can give us the gluten-free pizza, um, but please give our friends the quote unquote normal pizza. And, um, you know, that combined with finding a way to get more, more veggies into her kids lives, um, and, and diet, um, uh she started creating cauliflower crust pizza and realized that it was a a huge hassle kind of call it 90 minutes to to make it from scratch um and she just figured that if she was having this issue there are probably others that were as well and um and and you know the 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 brand has really taken off and it's been a been a hit since then so um it's just a good example of an authentic story obviously the opposite would be um you know some type of digital arbitrage situation where um, someone is, uh, you know, trying to perhaps resell products or, um, you know, re- really make a fast dollar. And um, we just think that these businesses take a long time to build and um, uh, at the end of the day, you need to be, be authentic.
0: Hmm. Switching gears a little bit uh, to the industry itself. We talked to plenty of folks that uh, I would say confirm that food and beverage is uh in in a disruptive period. I know that this disruption is obviously uh you know continuous and it affects every industry all the time, but it really seems like some of the technologies and consumer behaviors that uh really influenced and disrupted other industries, you know, perhaps five, six, seven years ago are really uh catching up, if you will, to food and beverage. Speaking, of course, about, you know, digital Uh, online shopping habits and and behaviors uh, the expectation of customization and uh, you know on demand type delivery and it seems it feels like and and certainly you know if you have a different perspective share it it feels like we're only in about the second inning here of of disruption to the food and beverage industry so i would uh, to, to to you know you, to apply that metaphor, I would say book sales is in the ninth inning, right? I mean, we're we're pretty much we're pre- the ninth <laughs> inning and maybe two outs on book sales, whereas it feels like food and beverage were in, we're only in the second inning here, um, and and that companies uh, are looking to overcome some of the limitations exist relative to re- you know sh- uh, refrigeration and and stuff like that. Um, wh- how do you, how are you approaching your investments, and where do you see things? going from here uh, uh beyond the obvious i i you know i i join many folks that get it, it a weekly did pretty much weekly at least monthly delivery from amazon of a lot of our staples that go into the kids lunches and stuff like that but uh, you know how shoppers uh you know actually shop uh you know with their smartphones in their pocket at, at retail i think we're moving beyond an fsi world and Uh, perhaps even less focus on, on, you know, where you are on the shelf um, because, you know, there's influences coming from elsewhere. So I'm painting a broad, broad, uh, with a broad brush here, but what what do you, what are the factors that you're seeing in disruption of consumer with consumer behavior in the digital space and, and how brands market and how's that influencing you?
1: Uh, For sure. Well, I I guess I would start with, say I totally agree with you in in the sense that uh, there's, Kind of disruption happening in in every segment of the value chain with with food and beverage, um, and I'm optimistic that we're still in the early innings as well. And I think there's a lot of data points that that really show that. Um, you know, one of the more recent ones that we're really seeing uh, as investors is how quickly the, uh, the the big box mass retailers like Walmart and Kroger are adapting and um uh bringing in new brands that um you know maybe years ago would have taken them three or four years. they now wanna be a um a local partner to help launch in certain regions um uh and I think you know that's ultimately again being driven by the consumer um' they're they're starting to um you know change the the way they eat um uh from a marketing standpoint. Uh, uh, you know, from the, the, the digital side specifically, clearly, word of mouth spreads faster than ever before. Um, I think from our standpoint, um, that really puts an increased emphasis on product differentiation uh, and products that kind of speak for themselves. Um, because if you do have something that's really unique and different and does, you um, uh, Solve a real need in consumer lives, then um, there is kind of a natural growth curve that these uh, brands will, will take, and um, we're almost believers that you can spend too much on marketing and kind of lose your authenticity and and lose kind of that natural pull that you would be be getting if um, you know you let the kind of product stand on stand on their own. Um, you know what's interesting is. I think uh, across other segments of the um, of the value chain and, and supply chain specifically, it, it's candidly never been easier to launch a brand. You can uh, get a website up, um, you can get a product on on Amazon um, and, uh, and, and certainly you know easier to find suppliers, et cetera. Um, uh, Co manufacturers where you just rent line time. Um, so it's not like there's a ton of fixed costs like 20 years ago when you know you might be required to build a production facility and um have a lot of fixed costs just to launch a product um you know at at the same time i think because it's never been easier to launch a brand um there's just so many brands out there and uh and and so you know in some regards you're you're it's harder to build a really large brand and um So, you know, the steps we kind of look at, I guess, um, which is why we ultimately come back to to retail, at least today. Um, uh, You know, I think it's roughly 5% of food that's bought online. Um, We think that's a fabulous place to to launch a brand, um, to get trial, to iterate quickly, um, to figure out your price pack architecture and your value proposition. Um, But at least today, in order to build a big brand, we believe that you still need to be in retail, and uh, that's a, obviously a different consideration set with respect to what the product looks like on shelf, um, being optimized for on shelf versus shipping, perhaps, um, uh, and, and, and things along those lines. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely a fluid fluid world, and um, uh, and, and one that we're we're trying to to navigate. We um, uh, we do have two invest- two kind of strategic investments as a fund. One is in a, a business called Greenspoon Sales, which um, is a is a sales broker that helps brands uh, get get placements in, in places like Whole Foods or Target or uh, Kroger, etc. Um, and then we have a, another investment that's kind of the digital equivalent uh, in a brand called, or a company called Cartograph which um, is basically an Amazon sales and marketing specialist. And uh, so they help optimize um, uh, relationships with Amazon, um, advertising, um, you know, fulfillment and, and, uh, and sales, um, and really are kind of an outsourced arm for that. Um, so I guess kind of going back to the point of, uh, you don't even need an internal digital uh, sales, salesperson anymore. You can work with, uh, with companies like Cartograph to get, to get started and put something up on Amazon and, and see if there's real, real pull for it. So um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a, a lot changing, but it certainly ne- leads to never a dull day.
0: Mm. How many, uh, how many companies are you taking a look at? Uh, I, I'm not even going to dare to ask a year, but <laughs> how many do you take a close look at per quarter to find, to find the gems? Cause it really, what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, you're interested in companies that are doing something different. uh like cauliflower being, a great example of it but you also have uh, banana which is dehydrated banana snacks um uh, that you know is a great source for potassium because you know with your goal to get into retail you cannot possibly just come to the retailers with oh this is just a slightly different spin of the exact same thing that you have ha- already have five different um exactly you know versions of so to some extent i feel i feel as if you're you're you know you're you're on a hunt here, right? You're, you're looking for, you're looking for the, for the, for the the unique stuff. So how, how what's that flow like? How, how do you narrow it down to actually whatever it is here? I don't know, dozens or hundreds you might look at and say, that's the one.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, that differentiation is really one of the, the driving factors. Um, Obviously, the people behind the business really matter as well. And um, this is a long-term relationship. We're trying to find entrepreneurs we want to be long-term partners with. Um, But, yeah, I I think you nailed it. I mean, um, the more differentiated a product is, the easier it is to to gain distribution. Um, And I think at the end of the day, the product still needs to taste great, too, uh, consumers' Um, you know, literally want to have their cake and eat it too. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, if you can, if you can give them the ability to trade off without compromising on taste, that's normally a win-win. Um, uh, you know, we, we make uh, anywhere from two to five new investments a year. Uh, so not a lot. Um, uh, you know, because we go pretty deep with our, our partners and we make a lot of follow-on investments um, to into our brands as well. Um, and so yeah from that I mean yeah we're looking at at hundreds of deals a quarter and um it's uh, it, it's a lot I mean when when you walk through the grocery store there's uh depending on the size of the store anywhere from 30,000 to 100,000 uh SKUs so so there's quite a lot to to pick from mm-hmm. but um you know hopefully we're we're uh in, in areas and and kind of um you know thinking about uh trends that are maybe in earlier stages that um are are going to be developing and and um uh, further and you know we're, we're obviously not always going to be right so um we try to stay pretty humble at the same time
0: that's a lot of eating you're doing i i i have to ask <laughs> i have to ask and you can l- leave the brand name out what's the weirdest uh product that's been pitched to you that you i'm sure had to eat as well uh,
1: <laughs> i mean there's uh there's a lot of uh really uh fascinating stuff i mean i guess uh, on the one hand it, it does classify as real innovation on the other um you know there's a it's a question of whether uh mainstream consumers are going to adopt uh something like this i think um you know there, there's obviously a lot of insect and protein yeah. products i mean that's, that's something that comes to mind but I, I do think you know there's a real story there i think um uh you know from a sustainability angle and 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 that kind of thing um uh it's still in the very early inning so i'm not totally dissing dissing the category whatsoever <laughs> um but it's uh, that's something that's hard to to make and sell at a farmer's market to get launched for sure
0: right uh before we let you go i wanted to ask you uh about the fulfillment fund i know that it's it's something that's important to you and and uh you bring your your experience and in resources and network too so uh, tell us a little bit about the fulfillment fund and and your involvement in that.
1: Sure. So the the fulfillment fund based here in L.A. They um, uh, really are, are focused on underprivileged youth and ed- education. There's um, uh, a really great mentor program, um, which is one of the. I've been a mentor in the past. Um, I'm not currently, and then uh they they also have a um uh a kind of a, a leadership um board which i i am part of and um uh which is all about just kind of raising awareness in addition to uh funds to, to support their mission of, of serving underprivileged youth in, in education i think uh you know one of the things that i really love about the fulfillment funds is how disciplined they are from a um return on investment standpoint and kind of how they think about every dollar. Um, In a lot of ways, it's it's very similar to what I do in my day job with respect to uh, stretching dollars and being very data driven and and analytical. And um, they've just been really effective in in doing that over now 30 years. Um, So um, it's an organization that I was introduced uh, to almost 15 years ago. Um, and, uh, it's been a, been a really special one.
0: Outstanding. Uh, so I want to make sure that people know how they can learn more. Uh, so it's Boulder food group and the website is bfgpartners.com. Um, I'm sure folks can find you on LinkedIn as well, but I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on the podcast, Dayton, uh, educating us a little bit about some of those inner workings of, of, um, you know, a fund like yours and, and what you're looking for. Um, and I think it's pretty cool and encourage people to check out the portfolio of product of, uh, brands that you're investing in. Uh, it's, it's quite an interesting mix and, uh, I'm sure that that diversity is, uh, you know, only going to help you in the future as well. So, uh, thanks again for appearing.
1: No, thank you so much. Really appreciate you you having me here. And, um, Uh, Yeah, that's the the, the right address, and um, you can also reach me at at Dayton at bfgpartners.com, which is my email address, and um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So thanks again, and and, um, I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us on Just a Taste, of Chef's Best production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. You can always visit us at chefsbest.com to learn more.